This podcast is brought to you by Oh My Audiobooks, where the pleasure is all yours. This is Love Notes with Julie and Jonathan. Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Jonathan, and you are listening to Love Notes. Hey, Julie. Hey, Jonathan. I feel like um, we haven't talked in a while. We haven't. It's, it's, um, I think that the people who know us know that we're in contact all the time, and that's what makes it so shocking. If you don't know, Julie and I are in contact all the time, except for the last, I guess, couple months. It's been yeah. more hit and miss, although that's about to change pretty substantially. Yep, because we're going to be writing real soon. Yeah, we're going to be writing a book and a TV show. And a uh, TV show. <laughs> which I, I, so yeah. So everyone uh, tune in to the episode two weeks from today. Uh, we're not going to say much about it, but we have a very special episode of Love Notes. Two weeks from the day that you are listening to this one, or two weeks from uh, I guess if you're listening to it some other time, two weeks from Friday, the 17th of May, uh, the episode, yeah, that releases, that's how we do it. The episode that releases on the 31st <laughs> of May, uh, will be a special one where we are going to tell you, uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, that we've been waiting to tell you and we're excited about. Um, and, uh, because, the reason we haven't been in touch as much is because we've both been sort of working on our own little individual things related to the Julian Jonathan project, but also then our individual things alone. Because if you're not already aware, Julie, I can't even begin to run down the books that you've released since, uh, since the last time we, we had a podcast. I mean, you've, have you released two books since we've last been on the air? I've been releasing them every two weeks since the middle of April, I think. So this is my third release this week in six weeks. All right. So what's out? And, what's out now? <clears throat> um, pretty thing, sweet thing, and wild thing are all out now, and they're all standalones. They're just—they're not like terribly heavy or terribly dark or terribly funny or terribly anything. They're just a little bit taboo. That's the whole theme in these three books, and they're not related at all either. So I don't know what I, I was doing—a little experiment here. How did you feel and about I, the experiment? Um, so here's the interesting thing about it. I wrote Wild Thing first. And I got to the end and I was like, well, that wasn't um, short and sweet. <laughs> 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 so like that got all this dark shit going on, in the, you know, at the end. And I'm like, I, I just like went off the rails there. And so I put it aside and I started Sweet Thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, that went better. Like, I think I, I understand this like not so dark stuff now, right? Like maybe I could write something that's not all twisted up. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit, you know, I was like, okay, that's like more what I was going for. And then I wrote Pretty Thing and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So this is, this is like the book that I was trying to write when I wrote Wild Thing. Okay. So I ended up releasing them in the opposite order. So I'm like, I'm going to start with the one that I said would, you know, going to be, you know, just a nice happily ever after romance. And then I'm going to um, build up to that crazy one I just released, Wild Thing. Um, but, you know, my readers like that wild shit, so. Lots of readers like that wild shit. I mean, like, you know, the thing I think about what you're doing right now, especially between both of us and then individually, is you're covering a, 
a whole wide array of subgenres in in the romance world. Yeah, I said in my blog post I put up the other day, um, I, it's the genre is called a little bit taboo, and yes, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love like it. I'm putting them in a series called Naughty Things, but they're right. not a series and like there's no connection to them, but I don't care. I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to put in a series called Naughty Things and it's all just the subgenre, a little bit taboo. That's it. A little bit taboo. And you do have the Casey Cross books, your sci-fi, sexy sci-fi happening now, right? When's that happen? The arc, the arcs have gone out, so everybody on the team is reading it, and then that gets released on the twenty seventh of May. Ferocious, just absolutely ferocious. You're, you're killing it. Um, and I have a free prequel related to that that comes out at the same time, and then two weeks later, I'm releasing the uh, the next book. So it's like really fast, right? And 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 now everyone understands why it's been hard to catch each other on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, the, we have a question. Uh, if you have not visited the website, lovenotespodcast.com, get the fuck over there. Uh, ask questions, catch up on the podcasts that you have not uh, heard yet. Subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. Um, and for those of you who have been on, on the bandwagon and sending us questions and so forth, thank you so much. Um, we have one that I think is uh, relevant to what we're talking about. Teresa asks, do you experience a sense of loss when you get to the end of a story? And do you need time to regroup to work on the next project? Well, that really depends on the story, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of them you're like, no, thank God. Thank God I'm done. Right. And then some of them you are like, oh, I should write a book too. And then you come to your senses and you're like, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that does happen too. I mean, I felt it with, I felt it with, and it's not a secret. If if anyone, if you've all read or listened to the audiobooks for our first series together, which by the way, the last book in that series, Passion Rising, released May the 8th of last year. So it has now been over a year since that full series has been out entirely, um, which is incredible. Um and I know that because it was my wife's birthday. Um, that one, and I wrote about it at the end of Passion Rising. That that series, I don't know if it felt this way for you, because it, you know it's one of many many things that you've done. But it was the first thing that we've done together, and it was the very first set of books yeah. I'd ever written. The first story I'd ever. I really like. I felt a deep sense. Yes, I felt a deep sense of loss when those characters uh, went away, but. I think that's something that Julie and I are both, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you'd agree and tell me if I am wrong, that we both have is the what's next mentality. Um, yes. I think that we tend, people say like, what's your favorite thing you've ever done? And my answer is usually, and I'm not trying to be glib, but my answer is usually whatever I'm working on now or whatever the next thing's about to be. Um, I think that's important though, because I think if you don't feel that way about your current work in progress, there's probably something wrong with it, right? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> I've said this before. I, oh God, am I going to say this out loud on the thing? Sure, why not? It's called fucking love notes. Um, when I was a young guy, I had um, a bunch of one night stands uh, for a couple of years in my life, and um, and I remember someone asked me. They were like, I mean, like, don't you want to find love? Don't you want to? And I remember being like, and I meant it sincerely, and I mean it to this day. I was like. I am 100% in love 
for the time that I am there. (laughs) And I don't know if that is a failing in me or if it is an asset in me, but I do have the ability. Do you have this? I have the ability to 100% fall in love and believe with all my heart in the thing that I'm in while I'm in it. And then when it's over, I'm like, okay, well, that was that. And then I move on to the next thing. And I, you know, for things I can do that for things, but not people, not people. No, that's true. And I, I, well, I don't know. That's the, this is a whole other foxhole that we can jump down some <laughs> other time with when we have my shrink on the line, but we don't need to do that right now. Um, speaking, uh, speaking of, uh, of people who have complicated feelings and uh, experience complicated uh, romantic entanglements and the like, uh, I have to plug something that I'm pretty excited about. Um, this is coming up. Uh, it'll be out May 21st, Tuesday, May 21st. Uh, yeah, published so really by, quick. by our audiobook publisher, Oh My Audiobooks, the producer of this podcast. Uh, here's a here's a quick poll. Uh, does everybody love audiobooks? Uh, here's another quick poll. Does everybody love J.A. Huss? And then I'm here's another quick poll. My hands, all my hands. Her hands, her hands up in the air. <laughs> and then, just another quick question, just a quick poll. Does everyone think that Jonathan Jonathan McLean is like you know fine? If your answer is yes, hell yes, and yeah, I guess he's okay. Then we have got something for you. On May the twenty first, Alec, Danny, and Christine will make their way back into your ear canal with the release of the Square. Book two in our Shape of Love series on audio. Against all odds, these three found each other. But it is not easy, as love very seldom is. There is complication, betrayal, fear, and loss. The question is, what's going to happen to their perfect triangle? Spoiler alert, the book's called The Square. (laughs) Featuring the voice talents of Ava Erickson, Luke Jackson... And because we couldn't get anybody else and he's contractually obligated, Tad Branson, if you are not already an Audible subscriber, get your ass over there. Sign up today for your free 30-day trial because The Square is available for pre-order now. Um, That's so crazy. I would crazy. say The Shape of Love is, is one of my favorite books to write. I really, really enjoy writing that one. I enjoy it too. And I and I and for those who don't know the backstory, I won't go into the very, very long version, but the short version is it was the the loose idea was something that Julie had sort of had kicking around. And I was leaving a meeting about one of our TV things and I called her and she told me what it was in broad brushstrokes. And I basically wedged my way into writing it with her. I was like, Oh, I want to do that with you. And she was like, Okay. Um so I will never be able to say thank you enough for that because I feel the same way. Like I love those characters. I love how messy they are. I love how it's messy, very messy they're. And the you know what I is. love? And I know um, most people don't, but I love that they have cliffhangers. I just love it because there's like almost this unwritten rule these days that you're not allowed to write the cliffhangers. And just, it was so great to write a long continuing series. Yeah. For once. Well, I mean, I think it's also, you know, 
you and I got into this thing to do television and that's what we're also still doing. But I mean, that's, I think, part of the reason that we'll make that transition as a team well is that both of us really enjoy that serialized cliffhangery sort of TV story version of telling stories. Yeah. Um, which is, which is fun and cool. Uh, so yeah. So if you have not read that, take a listen. And you know what? Even if you have read it, take a listen because if for no other reason, if for no other reason, fucking Luke Jackson and that South African accent of his, like you can't even, I mean, so it's such a weird accent and it's just so amazing. And it's, he's not pretending you guys, that is his real accent. Yeah, that's that, really South African. I had a, I had I had one of the uh, regular denizens of Shrike Bikes, which if you're not a member of the Facebook uh, online community, uh, the fan page Shrike Bikes, please go and request to become a member. We'll let you in. Facebook.com slash Shrike Bikes. Um, one of them sent me a, a DM and was like, I think I was watching The Mummy. And I think I figured out who it is. And I was My like, God, nope. is he in that movie? No, he's not. He was not. Okay, I was like, no, nope, it's not. I was like, nope, it's not him. I was like, but they're friends because they're both South African actors. She was like, all right, I'll stop guessing. I was like, no, keep guessing. It's fine. Um, so if you have not taken a listen, please take a listen. Uh, in just a moment, you will hear our conversation with C.D. Reese, which holy fucking so shit. So great. So great. So great. <laughs> holy fucking shit. We, like, we I, loved having CD on. God, she's just, she just came in like a ball of energy into. That's what she is. She's uh, a wrecking ball. She, she came did, she, in like a wrecking ball. She did. She swung in all naked on the wrecking <laughs> ball, <laughs> smashed down our walls. <laughs> And then we talked for a while. So so in just a moment, we will get to that. It's incredible. Um, but uh, before we jump into that, uh, I will ask one more. I will present one more question that was asked um, that cues off nicely the audiobook thing. Uh, Jen asks, um, does doing both writing and narrating the audio of the characters that you write affect the way you write? So knowing that I'm going to be recording characters and so forth, does it affect the way I write? Uh, great question. And I think Julie can also speak to this because Julie, knowing that I'm going to narrate her work frequently uh, or knowing who her narrators are going to be frequently may also be able to speak to this in, from that perspective. The answer is no. Uh, you know, I, I think that Julie and I have had a hard and fast rule that we're just going to write what we write and we'll sort of figure it out as we go along. And and for me, when I write, I wrote a role for myself in a TV show that I wrote one time. Um, and at the last minute, uh, they decided to not let me play it <laughs> because they didn't want me to get paid twice. I don't fucking know. But, <sighs> um, but it's, it was fine because I was like, I guess I was writing it for me to play it, but I wasn't writing it thinking like, Oh, I'm going to nail this. I was just really trying to write the character. And then, separately i would step into it in an actor's shoes and sort of figure out the character from there i'd have an advantage because i'd know what the you know intentions were when i was crafting and creating it but i don't i don't i think it's like in the same way that i don't watch myself back on camera after something that i filmed is done because it makes me self-conscious i just don't want to be in my head about it and i feel like that just gets in the way and interferes with the creative process so no i try not to let it affect what i'm going to do or say how, how about you 
I think it affects me a little bit more because um, I do usually have a narrator in mind when I'm writing a book. And like, I don't know if I'm always going to use them. And some of them, I feel like I know a little better than others, including you. But like this book I'm writing right now, I'm hoping Joe Arden will narrate it. And I'll I'll get to a part and I'll be like, oh my God, what is Joe going to think of me if he reads this? Oh, interesting. interesting. <laughs> like what, what? And then I'll, even in the girls sometimes, you know, I'll be like, okay, like who, what it? Like, I have to make her say this stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. Because some of it's just really dirty. I tell you yeah. what, when I first heard 321, that was my first, like, major audiobook. I, I couldn't believe people were saying that stuff out loud. Like, I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I have, I have said this before. Like, it's always, I met Ava Erickson because she was actually directing an audiobook that I was narrating. And Ava was sitting in this other booth. And in real life, Ava is Ava's who you want to imagine. Like Ava's this pretty, she's a beautiful woman. She's and she's sexy and smart and cool. And she's great. She's all the things that you would want Ava Erickson to be. So as you listen to Ava Erickson narrate, guys, know that she is who you're imagining in your brain. So I'm getting in the booth and I sit down and I go along for like 20 minutes or whatever. And she stops me and she goes, <laughs> she goes, Jonathan, uh, sounds great. I love what you're doing. Um, but you said, um, you said in her clit and it's on her clit. So can we go back and take that again? And I was like, uh, sure, we can go back and take that again. Pretty lady that I met 25 minutes ago. So sometimes it does get weird, undoubtedly, like no question. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not for me that I'm doing this. It's for the listener. You're not writing for, you know, we're writing to, to like give people something they want to enjoy. And I think we owe it to them to give it, to give it our all. And so that's where the, the not self-editing part comes from. But I, I do know that when you wrote the second book in the Taking Turn series, and you kind of toned I back switched some the of the sex stuff scenes around so for I, Quinn, um, so that I wouldn't have to say. <laughs> yep, so that the other Rochelle character had to say them, except for remember. that one, which was really dirty anyway. So. Yeah, and then it was like when and then you were like, I, ta- I tailored <laughs> it back, and then I was like, some of the filthiest shit I've ever said, Huss. Anyway, but for you, I guess that is tailoring it back. So. Uh, <laughs> So speaking of someone who never self-edits, as will become incredibly evident in a moment, um, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to give a preamble like you just got to fucking listen to this conversation with CD. It is an I mean, it's a, am going to listen to it. So, you know what? Let's all take a minute, settle in, get our popcorn, listen to this conversation with CD Reese, and we will see you on the other side. On the line with us today. We have C.D. Reese, author of uh, a whole lot of books. Uh, And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably read most of them. Uh, But in the event that you haven't, uh, there is the Edge series, which you need to check out. The Silicon Valley Royalty series, which will probably be a surprise uh, to Christine Reese. I have read them and they're great. Yeah, I have. Uh, Well, I read King of Code and Uh I was like, who is this weird genius? And uh, she is a New York Times bestseller, a USA Today bestseller, an Amazon bestseller. We are thrilled that she is on the phone with us. Uh, we will talk more about all of it. C.D. Reese, welcome. Hey, and uh, I just want to mention that, Jonathan, you have an amazingly sexy voice. He does. Oh, thanks. It is thanks. almost as sexy as your name. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, it, it is not as it is not uh, as sexy a name my my name as as my narrator name though Tad Branson. I think we can all agree that Tad has a much bushier mustache. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't do. know. Tad always implies to me when you say something is a tad small. <laughs> you know, you never say it's a tad big. It's a tad uh, big. You're right. No, you know, tad. Where were you when I was picking that pseudonym? God damn it. I, um, you should call more often. I should. And and after today, I'm sure I will. Because <laughs> uh, amongst other things, uh, we have so much to cover, but amongst other things, according to Julie, you and I live like a couple of miles from each other. Oh, which direction? I'm, I'm up in the Hollywood Hills. Ah, I'm pointing at you now. <laughs> hey, oh, there you, there you are. From Koreatown, yes. There you are. Uh, so we both uh, live in LA, and you are from here, or you came here for school, or how did you wind up here? I'm from Brooklyn, New York, uh, free range oh. Brooklyn. Yeah, born and raised. And which part? Uh, Sheepshead Bay originally. And yeah, every time okay. I moved, I moved up a little farther north until I got to Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Never made it to Manhattan. Jumped right over to LA to go to grad school. Okay. And you go, you went to, and by the way, now that we're engaging in it, I can totally hear it. And it makes me so goddamn happy. Yeah. I, can, I, I, I can hear it too. Yeah. Makes me sad. My wife is from Westchester. So, uh, uh, and, and New York is home for us. Well, but let me jump around a little bit. Are you going to be at RWA in New York in July? No, no, I just, okay. I, I just, I don't feel like going anywhere. Me. <laughs> That's it. That's the bottom line. I don't feel like going anywhere right now. Copy that. Um, so you came out to LA. Did you go, where'd you go? USC? USC. Okay. And you came out with the, because according to your bio, you came out with the intention of being a screenwriter. Is that true? Oh, I was going to be the best screenwriter ever, ever. And, and, I, had and a baby uh, in, I had a baby instead and couldn't get a meeting. It was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. That's Julie. You know, Julie's uh, indoctrination into Hollywood has come via our collaboration. And she, uh, I think, is always stunned by the little details that trickle out. That's a real thing. A it person, a woman, you have a, a baby woman getting you pregnant. can't get a meeting. Well, it, yeah. it was this. They want, it, they want you at the meeting or not at the meeting. And they want you at their disposal. And they'll move meetings without thinking. So I couldn't arrange a sitter in time. I... You know, it was just any kind of logistical roadblocks are unacceptable. So you have to be single and young and not have a job. And then well, that, you can take all the in the world. That is your life, right, Jonathan? From my understanding, that's all you do is like respond to things most of the time, right? Like, uh, well, yeah. Your manager I mean, calls I, or your agent calls, and, and they're boom, like, okay, right? audition tomorrow morning. Here's a script, right? Like, you, that happens yes, all I'm the time. Very, I'm very grateful that um, that at this point, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And so at this point, I get a little more uh, latitude and a little more say so. But for the first 15 years, yeah, that's the game. And 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 also, you know, I don't think that I'm particularly gifted or particularly even that much luckier than other lucky people. I just I, I made the choice not to have kids. And that was something that I made uh, as a decision very early on when I kind of stared down the barrel of this thing that I was doing and realized like, uh, I, I don't know that, that I could, that I could manage both. That was just sort of a personal thing. 
And then as I got into it deeper, I looked at the realities of it, like what Christine's describing. And it's impossible. I mean, I've seen actresses get fired off of TV shows because they got pregnant and be told that, you know, it's a violation of their contract because their bodies will not fulfill the expectation that they were that they were delivering when they were hired. You know, they've changed themselves so dramatically and their bodies are altered and they simply that's been I've I've had friends file lawsuits about uh, lawsuits saying like, you know, under the provisions of the Citizens with uh, Disabilities Act. Yep. Saying my pro- my pregnancy is technically a disability r- vis-a-vis my role on the show. I, I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, it's it's gross. Yeah, and all they <laughs> have to do, really, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of shows they were on, but it you know, if it means wearing looser clothing or moving the summer hiatus a few months or using a body double or shooting around it, it's been done before. It's just people right. don't want to be inconvenienced. Yeah. That's the very thing. That's the very thing. It, people don't want to be inconvenienced, and 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 it's not like it's not like there aren't a thousand people, writers, actors, whatever, waiting in line behind to jump in and say, "Oh, I'm I won't be a problem. I won't get pregnant. Yeah. I won't do whatever. Yeah. I'll do exactly." Yeah. Before. So what happened to me was I uh, we graduated from USC and and I won a Chesterfield Fellowship, which they don't have anymore. But it was you know five people a year got $20,000 from Paramount and Paramount got a first look at their next two scripts. And as I was interviewing for this fellowship, I was pregnant. I was like five months pregnant and terrified that I wouldn't get it because I was pregnant. Um, They gave it to me, which was great. But the, the, when you start getting meetings is after the fellowship is done. And that was right about when I had a newborn. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, and my husband had a job because what the hell was I doing? So, (laughs) you know, so it it became, um, you know, I had to arrange a sitter. And it was funny because during the year of the fellowship, it it was always fine because it was this kind of loosey-goosey thing. But after that, it became incredibly difficult to arrange, you know, like I would set up a meeting. And do and there were so many hoops to jump through to get you know, to make it to that meeting because I don't have family here, and then they would just change it at the last minute. Sure. Oh, that yeah. That, you that, know, that I mean, yeah, they did that to us for our pitch, right? Like right. seventeen times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure. So okay, so how long then did you sort of play that game and jump through those hoops before you were like, "Fuck this"? Well, it, then my husband lost his job which was fun and great because we had this baby. And <laughs> God bless your heart. Yeah, uh, and I hadn't, I hadn't worked in three years. So I got a job um, doing what I did before, which was uh, technical design for the apparel industry, which is, you know, a nine to nine job. Yeah. So then everything really died. It was like, you know, I was like mm. dead in the water. So, you know, I decided to do my best at that. Like I was just going to be the best technical designer I could yeah. be. Because why be shitty at it despite it, right? Right. So yeah. I was the best as I could, and I got up at you know four thirty every morning, fed the baby, and then wrote for two hours, and then went to work. And I did that until uh, don't say two thousand thirteen. Two thousand and thirteen. Two thousand and thirteen. Mind you, my son is fifteen now. Wow. My son is fifteen. Wow. So yeah. 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 So, You're, and he's adorable, by the way, because I've oh, met he's, him. 
He's a huge, yeah, he's a pain in my ass. Um, he's 15, like that's his job, right? That's it's on the resume. He's a great pain in the ass. So is he doing great at it? Is he really oh fulfilling God. the job like, requirements? Because he has this way of, of being so sweet and so nice and knowing exactly my buttons to push. And then he like turns around to his father and he's a devil. <laughs> and I had to say, you know, like, but he's so sweet to me. But it's a total manipulative move. Even if he doesn't oh. realize it, like I, I see you. What a champ. I see you. What a champ. <laughs> uh, um, so in 2013, he's so he's like, what, seven, eight, nine, something like that? Little, uh, yeah, eight, maybe. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. Okay. I should know. He was born in uh, 2000. <laughs> what? what? Four. 2004. Do you know what? This, Julie and I had this conversation recently. <laughs> And I said something, this came up with Julie recently and she was like, my kids are, and she says, they're like 26 and 21. She's like, I don't know. I have no idea. And so. <laughs> she know how old the goats are and the donkeys. Yeah, she, she knows their birthdays. She knows that. Um, so, so, so it's 2013. And how long at this point have you been doing the, uh, the other, the day job stuff? Yeah. You've been doing that for how long at this point? Since 2003. Three slash four. Wow. So, so like a full yeah. decade almost. Yeah. Of just wow. Yeah. Plugging away. And and so where was where was like the the clouds parting, uh, light shining down, God moment where you <laughs> realized you could change <laughs> everything. Yeah. I don't know if the, I've been just writing for so long and I had so much material that I just published um, cozy mystery that I had written and then I wrote two more and that was okay. It wasn't quite paying the mortgage. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to write erotica just because no one is paying attention anyway. Right. What, what do you mean? No one, that, it was, I'm was not that... publish it and no one's going to notice. Nobody's right? going to know it's you. Right. right. It's going to make me horny. I'm going to have a tumble <laughs> with my husband and it's going to be great. It was all for me. Right. I'm like, I'm going to okay. write, you know, something for my own pleasure as it were. And it went well. <laughs> and, which, and that was, and that was um, which but that was your very first series. That's, I think that's the one where I, I met you. Yeah, yeah. Beg, the beg was my first. Beg, yes, yeah. I have signed okay. copies of those. Those old ones with the black covers. Yeah, crazy girl. That's ages old. Wow. But it, but it doesn't go well incidentally, right? Or did it? Well, you know, I would say. Uh, I think a, you did pretty good right out of the gate. I, I actually okay. So I came out the same time as. Maya Cross did started the Alpha series. You might not remember it. It was great cover, and I remember I it. Yeah, I was marketing like a cozy mystery writer, which is a to I, if you could see my face right now, it's a totally different ball game. Okay, right. and then I looked at what she was. She had she was selling so many effing books, and I sold four hundred bag my first month. Which right? is damn good, by the way. It was. It was. It was. I was like, I was ecstatic. I made eight hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I mean, I did her more than you had before. So it was yeah. Awesome. And a month, right? Yeah. But I saw what she was doing, and so some bloggers had been talking to me because they liked Beg, and I said, "What did she do? What did she do? Tell me everything." And she had like a rafflecopter and an actual real life cover reveal, and she. Had Reached out to bloggers before publication and given them uh, gift cards yeah. and all, yeah. all of this stuff that was like 2013 obvious. So then I started doing all that. Is there, who, uh, this is a question for both of you. Who, create, who created the roadmap? Like who created the template for how you do this kind of thing? Julie, please answer this. I have no idea. Um, let me think. 
Who was I copying? Well, I would say Jody Ellen Malpas came out right uh, this minute. You know, you know who I was copying? I, I might have been Jody, actually. Yeah, she's, think of it. she's shrewd lady. You should have her on. She's a smart lady. Yeah, I love her. Um, I don't know. I was kind of made it up. I was, because I started that blogging, remember? I was like a romance blogger while I was really? writing science fiction. Yeah. And so I was like, I inserted myself into this world I had no clue about. And it just like got swept up in it. And then I just started doing what the bloggers were doing. Right. You know who else? It was Jacinda Wilder and Colleen Hoover. Wasn't Colleen Hoover still indie back then? Yes, for sure. Um, but I think... I think I was copying Colleen and Abby Glines. I'm pretty sure that's oh, who Abby I... Glines. That's who I was copying. And, and Jamie McGuire. Yeah. I was following more like... I went more the erotica route. So I was like, who had... And that's why I went right from Maya Cross at that point. Because she was huge. Yeah, she was. Christine, so my, que- I have a, my question for you is, you're coming from a background where, I mean, I know you had left it behind for a bit of time to, to raise your kid, but you were coming from a mindset that was, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be this killer screenwriter, people are going to hire me, I'm going to have the agents and the thing and all the trappings, and they'll give me money to do the stuff, and that's the path I'll follow. What, like, So where was, because it's taken me, a couple of years now with Julie to wrap because I've done that. That's been my understanding of how the business works for so long right. that to flip that switch and understand what it takes to also be a self-starting entrepreneur. It, w- it was a bit of an adjustment for me. Did you have any hesitation when you were doing that? Did it, did you balk at it at all? Was it a, was it a learning curve? At the time it was free, right? At mm. the time you'd have to pay for Facebook ads. Right. Mm. You know, yeah. book, uh, you know, was so new. Uh, Dude, I got a book bug for Junko when it was three <sighs> months old. That's how awesome. easy it was to get a book bug. And they were so cheap. But I remember at the time, right? So I was in this little group, this multi-genre group. And and someone came in and said, oh, there's this thing, book bug. But it's a couple of hundred dollars. <laughs> it was like a hundred and fifty dollars. I know. Oh my god, who's going to do it? So of course, I you know I had a job, so I ran to do it. But everybody was like, "Oh my god, it's better pay off." Yeah. So I mean, that's a real question, though. The idea of I'm going to spend this money and hope that I get a return on that investment was that something that you felt like, yeah, that makes sense to me? Like, do, do you have a natural business mind? I guess is my question. I, you definitely do. I, yeah. Maybe, may, I, maybe uh, I, I don't want to, I know so many people that are better at it, like Julie, that I don't want to claim to be good at it. Okay? Dude, so you, are, you and I are just exactly the same in almost <laughs> every way possible. I've, I've, I've dialed it back in the past few months because I just needed to do other things, which we can talk about later. But um, it was not until I quit my job or like right about then when I said, wow, I'm running a business and I can actually run this business cheaper than me going to work every day because every hour I'm at work is costing me money. Yeah, that's right. true. At this point. And the important thing for you, Jonathan, that I wanted to mention when you were talking just now about trying to climb this uh, uh, this ladder, this mountain where you can't actually find the handholds for so many years. Mm-hmm. Is that at one point I said, I am sick and tired of asking for permission to do my work. Yeah. Sure. I am going into these rooms 
and I am perfectly qualified to do this job and to create this thing. And I am asking for permission like a bitch. I am right. not somebody's bitch. Right. <laughs> and that was me. And I know it's harder for an actor, by the way. I'm not, it's harder for an actor because it, for the, all the reasons. Well, I mean, here's the, the sort of uh, schizophrenia that I'm dealing with these days is that Julie and I have a deal, which we are creators and producers on. I'm also writing books with Julie, which is obviously total autonomy, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just, we, we pull the strings on that start to finish. We set the timeline, we do everything. Um, and then uh, on top of that, uh, you know, I still go in occasionally to audition for things. I've gotten to a point now where I get offers a lot, which is nice. But when I have to go in an audition, the real head trip is to come off of a phone call in the car about like this script that Julie and I have uh, and having people saying to me, Jonathan, uh, you and Julie, okay, so let's put this deal together. And as the producers, what do you want to do and make the decisions? And and I'm the boss and she and I make the decisions and I'm the boss and I hang up the call and then I walk in the room and I'm like, hi, hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, please like me, please. Are you guys, okay, great. Oh, did I do okay? Yeah, I can do it again. And it's, I've described it as like, it's like being a fucking drag queen Uh, at (laughs) night. I am fabulous. And then in the day I go to work and put on my suit and tie and nobody knows. And so, yeah, it's a real, uh, it's a real head fuck, but by the same token, and you can speak to this, I'm sure the power that I feel knowing that there's something that's completely within my control that I can go and work on has, I told Julie that, remember Julie, I called you after an audition, I think for, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I think it may have been a job I got. And I think part of the reason I got the job was because you I could give, give a fuck, fuck <laughs> right. while I was in the room. Because I did not have time to beg. I needed to get back to I don't. We I owe Julie 3,000 yeah, fucking right. words. Like, I don't have time <laughs> to say your bullshit. I got my own bullshit to write. And, um, and it's been, it's been life-changing in, in that way. Uh, it's sort of an avalanche. And so similarly... You, you go all in on this thing in 2013. How long does it take before it really starts to snowball for you? I would say by the time I came out with the last book in that first series, which was in October of that year, no, December, no, late in 2013. And then it just, that last book just, it, I'm not saying that I sold enough to list or anything, but that was when people started making groups for me and the fans were going crazy and I started worrying about the follow-up at which time I said, I really need to give this my full attention. Okay. So. And that's when we met. That's, that's like exactly the point when we met because I remember reading bag and then moving on and, and like I read the first three and the fourth one, I went to buy it and it was free and I blew my mind. (laughs) Blew my mind. That was a strategy. Was, yeah. I, I and I even tweeted you on Twitter. I was like, bitch, this is free. Like <laughs> I can't believe it. Like I was so excited. And then we got strategy. and then there we, were there were nine books or eight or so. There was like it was an obsc- there were eight books, and I was like, that needed to be like a bump. You know, like right in the middle, yeah, fourth book. Yeah. That oh, it was free though, so then it would be like the bump, and then there was a cliffhanger at the end, and you would just scoot along to the end. And and everybody did. That kind of worked. It kind of uh, worked. I'm curious, about this, <laughs> I'm curious about this phrase you just used, worrying about the follow-up. Is that the first time that you were that you started to realize that you had now an obligation? And did that change the way that you went about the work? 
the word obligation is funny. Um, I don't know if I would use the exact word obligation. Okay. I would use the word, I had pressure. I needed to match what I had done before somehow. And what would I replace obligation with is kind of what I'm wrestling with in the back of my mind. Like, not responsibility. It was more of a responsibility to myself. Okay, that that's my that's how a about, that's a how about yeah. expectations? How about that? Yeah, I might go with that. Yeah, and that's a and that's an interesting distinction because, in fairness, obligation does suggest that you owe someone else. Expectation can certainly be self imposed. So, at at no point did you feel like, oh, I owe the readers X, Y, and Z. It was all. It's always been I owe myself this. Right. I. I the only thing I owe the readers um, is to. Give them the product that I promised. Mm-hmm. Is clear about what the product is, um, and to deliver it. I can say that I have not always done that perfectly, but I believe that is my responsibility and obligation. In what ways does the imperfection make itself manifest? You have a very interesting way of asking questions. <laughs> he does. I'm like, I don't, even, I don't even know what that means, Jonathan. Come on, give me baby words. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I got it. I got it. You know what I'm saying. She's, I'm, I'm she, well, I, I read somewhere that, that Christine is the Shakespeare of smut. So <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the moniker that was assigned to you. So I assume, I, I'm trying to do this whole thing in iambic pentameter. Just okay, to honor yes. that. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I noticed. Um, Okay. So I had this deal with Thousand and One Dark Nights and they wanted me to deliver an original novella that was tied to an existing world. This is not the novella that's a standalone now, but it was for their discovering artists bundle and they um, wanted to put my book in the back of there. So I wrote a novella called Secret Sins. It was connected to the uh, rest of my series, and it had to be a standalone. But the woman in Sacred Sins, Secret Sins, you know that she's single in the years following. So I gave her a happy for now, and I called it a standalone because it had the happy for now at the end, and I had to deliver them a standalone. So I released it first and then gave it to 1001 Dark Nights. It was not, my fans knew that it was not a standalone because they know that she ends up single at the end. I mean, at the, you know, in the future, in the timeline. Anyone who, anyone walking into it who didn't know me would say, okay, fine, great. But I did not deliver the standalone that I promised to my fans. And that was a failure on my part, or at least a mistake. Was there blowback? I think there was. People are scared of me, so they didn't tell me, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I think I've made that mistake, too. I think I think every author probably makes that mistake because they want it to be a standalone. Yeah. Yeah, but really, you didn't finish. It's not. It's in the middle of a series. <laughs> <laughs> and then I knew I wasn't going to get to the rest of her story for years, right? And I didn't. So anyway, maybe it all worked out in the end. We'll see. Live and learn. Do the, do the ideas that uh, that you have these days feel like they're coming as fast and furious as they did when you first started out? I had a really bad burnout last year. I thought I was not going to be able to write again. 
Because I really? usually, yeah, I usually don't get writer's block. I, I don't know, Julie. I don't think you really suffer from that a lot either, right? I had a little bit last summer, yeah, a little bit, and then this year I'm I'm much better. But last summer I was like, God, I don't know, man. Do you know what caused it? Um, hmm, I think I just she took on a writing partner. <laughs> I mean, definitely <laughs> that that was a little bit of it, not in a negative way, but I had other things happening, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to be Jay Huss anymore? I don't know. Right. You know, like it was weird, but then I got a new idea and then everything went back to normal. Right. I remember a point, maybe it was last summer when you started talking about going back to doing more education Stuff yeah, I and- did. And I did. I did it all summer. Like I wasted so much time on that. Cause like <laughs> it's a full-time job, right? That's a full-time right. job, but it, but I needed it. I think to like, just de- decompress my brain and mm-hmm. do something else, you know? So I did that all summer. Right. But what happened to me was I wrote the edge and, um, edge was one of those series where I said, I am not going to flinch. I am not going to worry about what the audience wants. I am not going to look away from really bad things, right? So I went where I had, I just, when I wasn't not too afraid to go, it was never in the tone of a book to go. I mean, I do have certain red lines, like there has to be consent. Okay, so once I have consent, like how far can I go? And so I went there with The Edge and it was the most emotionally draining 200,000 words I have ever written. And after it, I said, I have nowhere to go. I got nothing. You know, I wrote a a kind of a light contemporary romance for Montlake, which I needed to write because I needed something a little lighter. But after that, I was just, uh, I had nothing for a long time. I mean, that's kind of how I was last summer too. It was weird. It was, I had, and I had like a bunch of stories. Remember this, Jonathan? I kept telling you, like I started a story today and I wrote 20,000 words and I'm going to throw it away. And I did, I did it like three times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, let me say also, we had, we, our schedule, it was the first year that we were attempting this thing together. And so our schedule was very intense and trying to go back and forth between doing solo stuff and the stuff that we owed each other, I think contributed probably pretty substantially to the burnout because the responsibility, talk about responsibility, the responsibility to a writing partner is a whole other Mm -hmm. animal. Um, To the edge, you've got, you've got two coming out this summer, right? I have one coming out in a few weeks that I just figured out the ending for right before this call. (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit, right. which one? Which can you tell us which uh, one? This is pretty scars, which may be late if I can't, you know, if I don't have a really great day tomorrow. Um, By the way, that cover? The beautiful. cover. Yeah, I know. It was the so first pretty. Co- I didn't do it. It was my first non-Montlake cover that I hired someone to do. Wow. I was I've just I'm all about setting boundaries of stuff I don't want to do anymore. I'm really glad. Have you You don't want to do covers? Heretofore you've done all your own covers? You've done it yeah. all yourself. Yeah, except for my Motley covers, and uh, Sarah Hansen did Shutter Girl, but I swapped that one out a long time ago for one of my own. Yeah, I remember that. How many hours a day, Julie gets this question a bunch, how many hours a day would you say you spend actively engaged in this in the business? Eight. I write, f- no, actually, I probably write for three or four hours in the morning and then do marketing and stick around with ads for two or three hours in the afternoon. 
because then my kids, my kids get home. My husband gets home. I got to cook dinner. And at night I'm, my husband does not want to see me on the computer. And he's like, I do not want to get divorced. Good. Um, do you ever write screenplays anymore? Do you ever write TV? Any of that stuff? Uh, no, but so here is something I'm so excited about. And so in the heart of my burnout, I started listening to something you may or may not have heard of, which are fictional podcasts, audio yeah. dramas. Yeah, I, 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 oh, sure. I yeah, I've done a couple. Yeah. But what what have you done? Oh, I'm, they're so. I'm just. Oh, I got like my skin started tingling. Which one? What's your favorites? Oh, uh, I have two friends, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who do something called the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and um, it's a fairly like it's a they have a graphic novel that is accompanying it, so it's a big. They do a live LA show version of it, and they buy it. So, and they get celebrity guest stars and all this kind of stuff. So nice. that's the whole thrust of that one. Uh, and then I've actually been working on one uh, with a friend uh, that we haven't uh, released yet. Um, so and then another exciting. friend, and then another friend of mine. <laughs> And then another friend of mine wanted to buy the rights to all of the um, murders she wrote, uh, the whole series, <laughs> and um, and write new ones uh, with famous people playing uh, uh, Jessica, whatever her name is, Angela Lansbury's character, every week. Like one week you'd have Meryl Streep, and the next week you'd have like Kathleen Turner. Play. Oh my God, and, that's brilliant. And that we'd is call brilliant. It, and we'd call it Murder We Wrote. <laughs> um, that's great. So, so, uh, so, so, but, but, so, uh, yes, I'm, and Julie, you're, a, do you listen to some of these? Um, I had a few queued up, but I never finished them because I like to listen to things at night before I go to sleep. And, but usually I do audiobooks, but I was into that for like, I don't know, a couple of months, probably last year or two, because people so were what, talking about it for some reason. I think oh, last it was year. probably me. What was the trigger, uh, Christine? Uh, Someone said to me, you have to see Homecoming on Amazon because it's very much, it's got right. a lot of elements of the edge, right? So it's uh, it's about men with PTSD coming back from Afghanistan and she's a therapist and blah, blah. I didn't have time yeah. to watch. I didn't have time I to watch it. it. Yeah. I found that it was a podcast. So I was like, oh, let me read, let me listen to this podcast. I'll get the same story. And mind blown. Um, I was like, I, I, I. I can do this because I had thought about doing it when I did the duet narration for marriage games, mm-hmm. you know, which is just dialogue. Um, and so I thought I can do this. I can do this. People are doing it and I can do it. And so during this burnout period, when I was not writing books at all, I wrote a script, I guess you call it. It's in that same final draft format for a sci-fi dystopian because I don't think romance is going to translate. And if it can translate, I'm just not the one to do it. Uh, about people disappearing and then reappearing a week later on social media, like just their accounts light up and they start mm-hmm. talking to the people that they love. And so it's about this guy who whose wife was in the process of leaving him. And then she blinks out and then reappears a week later. And he's the one she's talking to. Oh, I can't wait for this. Or casting in Jude. I have my schedule somewhere, but it won't be coming out probably until August. Well, I can't wait. That sounds amazing. How many, how many do you have in the queue? There are going to be seven episodes, 30 minutes each. That is very, very exciting. And, and, uh, how how do you, are you going to self-produce the whole, the whole deal? It's all you self-produced, self-financed. I'm going to direct it, which gives me palpitations. Uh, yeah, and it's a money suck because there's no way to make money. 
And this is why when you say I'm a great business person, I'm like, oh, wrong. Yeah, but sometimes you got to do that stuff though, right? I I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm writing the science fiction romance right now. I have no idea if this is going to make money and I don't care. Right. Right. But you'll be charging for it and it won't cost much. Right. This is just my time. Yeah. My time. So this is going to cost $20,000 to produce. Right. Or more. I know that's, it's going to take my time. And there is no way to make this money back that I can visualize. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and who, our producer uh, uh, is on the line with us uh, who listens in on these calls. Uh, so I'll say this and say thanks. Yeah, I don't know how the <laughs> fuck they're making money off of these. I assume they're just losing money. <laughs> on these. They are so special and great, though. We love them. We really no, do I, love I, them. I'm saying there's no way for me to make my money, you know. Uh, you know, I can do Audible sponsorships, which only work as an affiliate. So if someone uses a link, I'll get um, an affiliate kickback of like $15. <laughs> right. But, uh, and I looked into how much they're charging sponsors, and I don't see these numbers making sense. But couldn't you package it up into an audiobook, maybe? I could. So you go into this because you have to? Is that is that fair to yeah, say? Yeah, like I have, to, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah. too bad. I mean, it's too bad for my finances. It's too bad for my kids' private school tuition. <laughs> it's just too yeah. bad for our retirement. It's just too sure. freaking bad. But it's good for your soul. Yes. Yeah. A happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited you for you. I think uh, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to bring... Uh, audiobook listeners into the podcast space, which is a good thing. Why not? Do you, or is it, I, I, I think my question I asked, uh, and you, you can come back to this because they're not that important. I just asked how many kids you have. I don't really care. It was just a <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but you, you're welcome to tell me, but also, um, is it the same audience that reads your books? I mean, who's your target? Who are you going for? It's gonna, well, this is the problem is that romance readers are really easy to find. They, well, I know where they are. Um, they are more talkative amongst themselves than many other genres. I don't know if Julie has the same experience with sci-fi readers. Yeah, they're they're hard to find. Yeah, they're tough. They just don't hang out the way romance readers do. They don't. Um, I don't. They're just they're just different. Yeah, doing their own thing, you know. And they kind of have certain uh, arteries, or that's not really what I mean, conduits that send them recommendations and that's how they know what to get. So, you know, so appealing to sci-fi readers might not be the way. So the podcast, fictional podcast people are, you know, Twitter centric. Okay. Maybe I can find them there, but it's really going to have to be me um, selling it to um, audiobook, romance audiobook listeners who listen outside the genre. And some of them do. Yeah, they do. They do. I hired uh, Joe Arden to be the voice yep. of the main character because he's great and he's super talented. He is an um, untapped talent, but also because it will draw in some audiobook people. Yeah, just people like curious. just follow Joe, will yeah. pick up whatever Joe does. Right. So they'd be curious, you know, like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be. And mm-hmm. if they already kind of, are comfortable outside romance. And again, a larger portion than we give anyone credit for are comfortable outside romance. Then I I have a shot, you know? And, you know, these are people who 
read or even the people that read romance exclusively watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Of course. So it, it, they're not one trick ponies, our readers. They, you know, they're broad. They'll go with where they want to be. I, I was really surprised when I pulled my my fan group and asked them if they would read a book, um, a sci-fi romance by me, because I really didn't expect them to get too excited about it. And it kind of blew me away how excited they were. So I think you're right. I think they're open. And I think they're looking for different things right now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to do a different thing that's a book, at least at least for me. Yeah, so I'm excited about this. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to listen. Okay. When when is I'm your nervous. expected launch date? I would say August. I, I don't want to wait that long, but I can't afford to rush. Yeah, no, do it right. Sure. To, yeah. Take your time and have fun, too. Yeah, it's, it's not like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, that, that's incredible in terms of just the scope of the ambition. How many characters is it? Right now we're talking about like who can double and this, and I've tried to sure. keep it um, to a minimum. So right now of people who have, there are monologues. So there are seven people with monologues and those are kind of main-ish. Mm-hmm. And then the main character does not have a monologue. His monologue will be the audio bonus. So eight, eight, cool. but of, of those eight, uh, Two only appear in one episode. Okay, got it. So you, you so so you're you'll be moving around pretty deftly. Characters, people, enough enough sounds in people's ears to keep them sort of interested and bopping around, and new characters making appearances pretty regularly. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's very sound effect heavy, which I'm going to be so sorry. I oh, know. I can't I'm wait. So sorry, I can't wait. because it's the only way to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. Now the sound you bed know? is critically important and uh and I think it's an underrated it's an underrated tool. I think it's an underrated tool in audiobooks. I mean, you know, this this title comes up a lot because for a variety of coincidental reasons it binds me to several of the authors that I've narrated for, Julie being chief amongst them. There's a book called Illuminae that I narrated back in 2015, which is a sci-fi and it it won its uh, you know, the Audi in its category that year and uh it's like I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-E. And yeah, okay. you should listen fan. to it. I yeah. am going to. It's because so great. Because it's like a asking, dramatization. Because well, that's I it. It's talking a radio to play. people and saying, can I add, can I put a sound effect here? And the engineers I worked with were like, Christine, it's going to sound like a children's book if you start dicking around like that. Uh, so, that is that is patently false. Uh, this this there are twenty five. I, I was the male hero, Olivia, Olivia Taylor Dudley, who's on the Magicians, was the female lead, um, and uh, and then there's like twenty five other characters. And the way that they helped keep it distinct, Ju- Julie, you've probably listened to it more recently than I have. But I, I mean, I've listened to it literally like fifty times. Wow. There's, okay. but the sound bed is not just for ambiance and atmosphere. It's it also helps you sort of dial in on which character you're listening to. I mean, it's it's a really useful tool, um, and I think that that whoever the sound engineers uh, that are telling you that are not your sound engineers. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, I'm getting into a whole different soundscape right now. I mean, even with King of Code, I don't know if you listened to the audiobook or you read it, but I read it. Audio, I read it. But the audiobook is very special. Uh, I use, instead of chapter headings, I use musical notes on the cello. Fabulous. And 
because a lot of the book is in code, it's in JavaScript, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. did not help sales, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're writing a love note in JavaScript, how do you express that in an audio book? I didn't even yeah, think about that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well now I'm gonna I'm gonna click over here, Audible, download King of Code. <laughs> Just Doing go to the chapters time. where the uh, where the JavaScript is in the book, and. Just because I was very specific about how I wanted that to sound, because it couldn't sound, uh, it couldn't sound like the way it looked. Oh, and it's Christian right. Fox. Oh, this is going to yes. be delightful. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just hired him to do three books for me in a row. Actually, four. Uh, his voice is exactly where I want a voice to be. Yeah. Buy yeah. now with one credit, done and done. All right. Oh, um, you're so good to me. Uh, well, you know, and and anybody who's listening. Why haven't you done that yet? Um, <laughs> we, Go do that. We have to. We have to cut this off. But as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna run over to your house, uh, and we'll have a sandwich and continue talking. Just bring, the bill list. Um, bring, bring me cigarettes. But and I'll bring I'm joking, cigarettes. I'm joking. No, 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 it's fine. I, you know, I smoke a pipe, so I'll I will sit out back because <laughs> uh, I'm an asshole. Um, Julie likes to sign off with a question, and uh, oh and yeah, you are the perfect person to have this question asked of Julie. Yeah, do I, really... wait, wait, do I have to answer it in a specific way, like a sign off no. kind of way? Okay. No, God, no, 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 no. You don't have to think either. I got roped into that. Once I got roped into that too. <laughs> I'm like, no. How did that happen? I'm like, sing. What are you talking about? I'll sing happy birthday. That's about it. Um, so okay, here's the question. The question is: if you knew then what you know now, what would you do different? Floss. Floss. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Pay pay your waitress on the way out. They work hard. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, anything, or do you feel like you are happy with the way it's all gone? And you, uh, even uh, I, I have to, I felt too many us. Um, I, when I start having a good time, I forget that I'm not supposed to. Or, uh, not on not on this <laughs> podcast. All right, we're gonna let CD Reese go floss and thank her for her time. <laughs> Oh wait! I thought that we were done. I thought we were now off. Oh no no we See, are absolutely whole... oh no oh no this is going in. That's going in. This is going in. <laughs> uh, Guys, I <laughs> never mind. This is going in. I thought we were off. No, you're. Yeah, you're I don't no, know. You're, you're we sheer... can cut it if you wanted to. I mean, in my talking about like how I tisk and um. Oh my god, guys. You are. <laughs> Your sheer you perfection. Uh, you suck. You suck. I, well, I love you. And Julie, <laughs> and I thank you so much. Please go buy everything CD Reese has ever done. Look out for and listen to her podcast when it comes uh, out in August or sooner. And, it's called The Folded Room. You didn't ask. Uh, what's and it called? I will um, remind everybody, too. <laughs> it's called yeah. the, folded the Folded Room. room. The Folded I Room. I love, I love it. it. All right. Uh, CD Reese, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, holy fucking shit, right? Yeah, that was great. I love God, her. I just love her. And the folded room, like her po- her podcast sounds incredible. I can't wait. Whatever Christine is going to do, I'm going to love it. Yeah, she's, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't kidding. She's a, she's kind of a, a mad genius. Although she joked with me in an email later. She was like, my genius is at getting people to believe that I'm a genius. I was like, well. Sure, sure. It's working, you humble bragging motherfucker. <laughs> um, 
Thank you all so much for tuning in like you do. Uh, if you're not already subscribing, please do hit subscribe, uh, whatever platform that you chose to listen in on, or visit the website, lovenotespodcast.com. All of our podcasts, this is our 10th one. All other nine of them are archived there for your listening enjoyment. Um, two weeks from today, as I mentioned before, we will have a special we're not going to say much more, but we're going to have a special podcast for you in two weeks. So make sure that you keep all your ears out for that. Um, in the meantime, I don't know. Is there anything you want to tell the people? Give, give them good advice about how to get through their lives? Um, just work hard. Just work hard. Oh, just Aww. work hard, you motherfuckers. Just work hard. <laughs> Love Notes is produced by Emily Durr, J.A. Huss, and me, Jonathan McLean. Executive producer is Oh My Audiobooks, an imprint of Podium Publishing. Editing is by Troy Odie. Our theme song and music is by Brandon Costello. A very special thanks, belatedly, to Bob Avaniuk and Joel Odie for editing and mastering on episodes five and seven of this podcast. I do not believe we gave them credit at the time and we owe them big for that. So thank you both so very, very much. Finally, the art on our website was made by Julianne Huss. Check it out at lovenotespodcast.com. If you didn't catch it the first seven times I said it, that's lovenotespodcast.com. Support for Love Notes comes from Oh My Audiobooks. <laughs> Where the pleasure is all yours. I'm laughing because I say it every week and yet I fucked it up. Where the pleasure is all yours. 